Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor John joins me as we discuss the final sermon in our series entitled Longings, and we unpack the longing that we all have for community. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, hello again, everybody. We are back in the armchairs. This is episode number 37. 37. And what you don't know is that I'm actually sitting in a quite comfortable armchair in Pastor Zach's office right yes. now. So I have a I'm, lot of armchairs in my office. Yeah, you do. I have is, one. So it's called armchair pre- preaching, and literally we are in armchairs. Yes. And my, my desk chair is a, an arm desk chair. I, ha- I like I like having the arms. <laughs> um, today we, we are talking about the final sermon in this series mm-hmm. that we began four weeks ago called Longings. And we were, we've were we been unpacking the longings of the human heart. Um, some of the, the big four, we started off with the deep spiritual longing that everyone feels, the refreshment of Jesus Christ as the living water, and how that is most fully realized in the church. Talked about the longing for uh, meaning and purpose, and how the church helps us um, engage that longing. Uh, and then the week before, we had talked about the longing uh, for care. Care. Yeah, um, which was a great, great uh, set of messages. I thought it's a real powerful thing. Today, um, we're talking about the longing for community, but we both began this week's message, and we had actually talked about this before. Um, yeah, it was it was too present for for yeah. both of us. So we were all dealing with the 20 year anniversary of the of the of 9/11. Yeah. And so we had talked about you know, let's both begin there and let's both describe it, pause, give everybody a chance to 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 reflect and give thanks and mm-hmm. do, and pray and then talk about the the thing that we both experienced as well coming out of that which was yeah. this great sense of community that came out of 9/11. Yeah. So I, I want to talk to a little bit more about you had mentioned it a little bit more than I did. Actually, I didn't mention it at all. Where you were, what you were doing mm-hmm. 20 years ago on September 11th. So I wonder if you just kind of unpack that again and then kind of what was the, you know, had a great, it had a huge impact on all of our lives. Ministry-wise, it definitely impacted us and yeah. it impacted the church hugely. I wonder if you talk about that a little bit about what where you were, what you were doing, and then how things changed in the in the immediate yeah, yeah. aftermath of that. Yeah, no, I was serving a church in Covington, Tennessee, a great group of people there. Uh, still love love the, the crowd there and, and uh and I think really in some ways um the uh the the nine eleven moment galvanized us because I was still fairly new there. I'd been oh, wow. I got there in July, I think it was. And so I was only a few months in and uh and as I said in the in my sermon I'm I'm in my office and I'm visiting visiting with a couple, um, and uh, and I finally the, my assistant finally gets my attention, walks in the door, says you have to come see this, and we go out and the three of us that were in my office and her and and our youth leader and some others were in the office watching it, and we watch the after effects of the first plane, we watch the second plane hit, and and I remember I remember. I'm watching that, and like the rest of the world, I'm just slack jawed. I can't believe mm-hmm. it's just it's just horrified by what I'm horrified by what I'm seeing. And then there was a moment after the second plane hit and before the towers fell 
that it was it almost felt like you know if you, I don't know if you ever ever have ever had smelling salts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I pass out when I see blood, so I, you know, I got <laughs> I've, I've had smelling salts before. So, <laughs> but it was like a smelling salt type of moment where it's like, wait a minute, I, I'm you know we're there's three big churches in town. Yeah. I'm pastor of one of these big churches in town, and. I have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so that was the tipping point and the, the, the lead into what happened. Your question is what happened, what, what if it impact. The immediate impact that it had was that that very day I said, okay, turn the TV off or just put, push, push it aside. We need to get together now. Yeah. We yeah. need to do something now. So that, that, so that what is it, 10 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. You know? And by noon, by 1230, we have a, a congregation full of people who are in prayer together. Wow. In our church. So yeah. immediately I said, get the word out, go. And we just, I don't, I don't even remember what, what tools we had to get the word out of that at the time to do that, <laughs> whatever tools we had to get the word out. And the place was, was packed. And then two days later, we had a, another gathering and the place was, was, was packed. And, and for that season, um, there was a, there was a sense in our community. I talked about the ministerial association. Mm-hmm. We, there was no ministerial association. We found each other, yeah, and we supported, encouraged, and talked, and talked with, and prayed for each other, and we ministered uh, in our community together. And I think a couple. One of the cool things that came out of this um, was there was a our our town had um, sort of the black schools and the white schools, yeah. basically, and. And, you know, as I said in my message, and you were saying as well, we came together, right? It didn't yeah. matter what you know, your background, your race, anything like that. We just came together. So I met the superintendent of the black school, yeah. uh, the school, the principal of the black school, rather. And, um, and we became friends that day. That's wow. the other thing that happened. We became friends. And all of a sudden, this work of racial reconciliation, ra- racial friendship more than anything, mm-hmm. um, began that day as, as well. And so I stayed friends with, with, with him um, since. And, uh, but in our, in our remaining time in Covington, we, we spent time together. I toured with him. We talked together. We prayed together. So it really it began another other piece that was, you know, it only happened because we were together on that very first day, that that very wow. first afternoon. So, yeah. lots of other things there. But I, I, I mean, I know you were in college at the yeah, time. I was so still, I'd love to hear what your your story was. I was a senior in college. I um, I was over across the lake, Florida Southern. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those. I, I remember exactly where I was. I was paying a parking ticket at the, at, the, <laughs> at the security office at Florida Southern because I didn't have a valid parking pass. And because I was a senior, I just felt like I could skirt that, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I was paying the parking. You were in the office? I was in the security office paying that ticket and uh, 25 bucks. It was, you know, but they, I heard in the, the back um, area to my right, just over the desk, over the counter, the 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 officers, the security officers, like there was like a gasp that came out of the room when the first plane, when when the the news came across that a plane had hit the World Trade Center, because um, at that point there was no video of it. We you know no one had seen that. They just saw the after effects, and and we were like everybody else. I remember even having a conversation with security officers. Oh, it must you know must have been like a small. Everybody thought that commuter plane because it had happened before. That sort of thing had happened before. It actually happened a a couple years later in Tampa. A commuter plane hit, and and then of course after nine eleven, everyone thought it was a terrorist attack um, rather than an accident. But um, but I I ran out um, and I found Jules, who we we were um, we were not yet engaged, but um, we uh, she was on campus and she was running Lake Hollingsworth and and I, I saw her and uh, I was like, did you hear this? Because we had actually just we had just been in New York 
six months previous and been at the World Trade Center. And uh, so it was kind of fresh. You know, it was the first time I'd ever been to New York and been to the World Trade Center. We had this picture of us. And so we went up um, and we found, you know, found a television and and started watching it. And then we saw the second plane um, hit. And that's when everything kind of everything we, changed. Then we knew. Everything changed at that point. And I was a journalism major at the time. And well, I graduated journalism major. And my mind went into journalism mode. And so, you know, we started calling, you know, loved ones and everything, make sure everybody's okay that, you know, we didn't know anybody in that vicinity. Um, we did know people, um, we did know people who were in the DC area. Uh, Julie has family in the DC area. So when that happened, we, you know, we made contact there, but I went to journalism mode. We started taking pictures of, you know, students watching televisions and crying and, and coming together and asking questions. And um, m myself, I was the senior writer at, at the Southern at the time. And the, the, Is that the school paper? That's the school paper. Um, and the, the, the editor in chief, she and I were friends. And, and that's what we did. And we put out a, we put out a, a paper the next day with, 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 uh, with the world trade on it. Like every, everybody else, but um, it was the thing that I was also a youth director at the time. A small church here in Lakeland um, was not an awesome situation, uh, and and really was struggling with my vocation at that point. What I was going to do. Nine Eleven really helped shape that in a couple ways. One, the exhaustion of reporting, even even this far away from the actual events, you know, but but digging in with people emotionally. But having to be separated from them emotionally, because journalists aren't supposed to get involved. You're not supposed to counsel a person who's in shock or grief for checking on a loved one. That was difficult for me, not being able to jump in in a, in a ministry sort of way. And the exhaustion of having to report on that sort of thing. I, I knew at that point, yeah, I am going to probably graduate with a degree in communications, but I'm definitely not doing this. This for is not of, my field. This is not my field. Thank you, Lord, for yeah, the sorry. confirmation. That's right. Um, and then also, too, the, the, the way that the church that I was at responded to it was not was not great. So I ended up leaving that church shortly thereafter and ended up um, going on to ministry in, in Haines City, which is where I came here from. Mm -hmm. I came to Lakeland from Haines City. But uh, that was uh, those were very kind of turning point sort of things for me. Um, but then also as we 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 were the the reason that we both went down that path, one, because just timely and you have to twenty years is a significant mark and uh but also to what the what we saw after you know well you talked about it specifically in your own ministry that the community came together but yeah. we saw it on tv yeah you know at, at southern i saw students just you know people that didn't really know each other you know yeah. kind of huddling together and vigils and things like that and and wanting to come together and and then we we saw the statistics of the religious um fervor that 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 bubbled Came up. Came out of that. Yeah, you talked about that. Yeah, I talked about that. And even the patriotism, which I had in my notes but didn't talk about, you know, I think the 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 statistic that Pew Research put out was that um, you know, within six months or so of nine eleven, sixty two percent of Americans had displayed an American flag somewhere mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. front lawn on their car, worn an American, you know, just as a sign of solidarity. And then 60 percent, 
I don't think I mentioned this in the sermon, but 60% of Americans trusted the federal government Yeah. post 9-11, yeah. which is the highest rate in five decades, yeah. 20, the 30 years before, the 20 years since. The contrast between the, the acceptance and the, the support and the uh, trust in, in, uh, in the president in that moment compared to how it was by the time he got out of office. Yeah, and every <laughs> every day since then. The <laughs> yeah, he's been going down ever since. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Here, what's interesting to hear you talk about the being taking the pictures of the students and shifting into journalism mode, and maybe we could just think for just a moment about about this. Um, we don't we don't engage the, when we engage with with uh, current events in the in the world. We engage with them as human beings as well, as citizens yeah, of the world, absolutely. as citizens of the country, and we engage with them. I know I talked about the sadness and the weightiness and the fear. We didn't know if there was another t- twenty other planes about oh, to hit and where yeah. they were going mm-hmm. to hit. What what are the targets? So there was this, there was the fear of the un the unknown, and that was all before you get to the and we came together. But we were—you were dealing with that. You—you yeah. you watched that. You and Julie watched that uh, uh, together, and you—you you were reacting to that. You had your own emotions are going on at the time. I had my own emotions going on at the time, and yet you also brought up the fact that you, because you had a role to play, you had to disengage from that to some yeah. degree. So that's an—that's an interesting hook there because mo- many people don't think about that. Most people had, in that case, got—that's not a privilege. Most people just got to. Engage, engage, yeah. and react, and and deal with what it was, and and other people like first responders, like government agencies, mm-hmm. and all sorts of, and and youth leaders, and journalists, and and pastors. We had a job to do, yeah. so there was a certain there was a certain disconnect that needed to take place in order for us to do that job. How did you handle that? Well, and you know, it's interesting too. You know, you talk about that um, the disconnect w- w- from a pastoral standpoint. There's a there's a different type of disconnect, right? So, like, when we as pastors deal with people in crisis, which we do all the time, right? Um, you know, I, yesterday alone, I was dealing with two or three people that were in financial crisis and need, right? Y- you have to engage them on one level, but you can't bring your own stuff to the table because they're dealing with such weight. When it comes to something like that, that's on a national stage, something big where it does affect you personally, there is an affect to it. There's a balancing act of how much you have to deal with your own thoughts and emotions and, and you know, the mental processes, but then also provide leadership and comfort and spiritual direction mm. for the other without bringing your own, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the, yes. there's a balance of transparency because yes. you need to be transparent, but also at the same time still be a leader. I mean, I haven't even thought this thought and since then, but I, I, there was something inside of me back then that, you know, that smelling salt type of moment that yeah. said, God has called me to do a thing. Yeah. God has called me to do a work, and there is a massive platform now and, and, and a moment that has happened that I am now to speak into. Yeah. And so it, it required me uh, – I was I was just as dumbfounded as anyone yeah. staring at those planes flying into that building. But all, all of a sudden, I needed to say, okay, I need to set that aside. It's still there. I'm still feeling it. I'm still wanting to be with my family. I'm still you know wondering if I, other planes are going to attack. But we have to act. We have, and you had to act. You had to be the journalist, and yeah. you had to be the youth youth leader. And I, we had to bring the people together so that the people could do what they needed to do. What they and what they really needed to do was they needed to be together. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they wanted to, it. They they longed for it. No, oh, they wanted it. Yeah. The very thing that we talked about in the sermon yeah. was the immediate after after effects. Yeah, and I think what's what's interesting as we we dug into the message is that 
we talk about this idea that we all feel, every single person feels this longing to be a part of something organizationally or larger than themselves. And they go and find it where they're going to find it. And in that moment, and I don't think I talked about this as much in the, the message as I had initially wanted to. Why is it that, you know, 20 years later, this massive event of 9-11 that spawned a, a tremendous fervor of, of national unity, probably not seen since World War II, why is it in the 20 years since we're probably further divided than we've almost ever been since the Civil War? Yeah. I mean, what what happens there when you have this longing for community, you feel this sense of, of camaraderie and fervor, but the, the even the, the patriotic nationalism is not going to meet that need. Mm-hmm. It's not going to fill that longing. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen in the weeks and months ahead. The fact is that we have had... Um, We've had other celebrations of the of the of nine eleven uh, remembrances uh, from nine yeah. eleven for the last twenty years, and the and the five and the ten, the fifteen were big marks as well. But it felt like uh, this past weekend that the nation was sort of rallied together in a different way than it has in the last twenty yeah. years. So it'll be interesting to see if if in you know that that very solemn time of spending hours reading the the the, the names of the two thousand nine hundred seventy seven dead. Yeah. Just, you know, I wonder if that if that would would have some even lingering after effect for us. Yeah. Just having had this past weekend, yeah. lingering after effect of so no, we are actually one country, and we do need to, you know, yeah. stay, stay to be together and work together. Well, and 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 all I, the divisiveness that you were just talking about, yeah. it really we really need to do better than that. Well, I think even the pandemic kind of brings that to mind because we're dealing with another level of national global tragedy with the pandemic and what are we what are we going to do coming out of it? it's kind of like the early days of the pandemic right you, people felt a sense of unity and a sense of coming together and and yeah. but it be but the reason that the church is supposed to be fundamentally different is because it goes beyond the temporal right it goes beyond the earthbound it's supposed to go beyond the earthbound squabbles you said it really well the church at its best Right. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to be. Now we're not always at our at, at our best, which right. is understandable. And you said it really well. You yeah. said that really well. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for here, looking for a church, and because you left another church you were not happy with, we're going to mess up. Yeah. We're going to be that church that you're, yeah. you're probably not going to be happy with again. And that's we are certainly not trying to trying to mess up. But the reality is that when you put a bunch of sinners together, gonna, <laughs> they sin. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Even 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 pastorally, and even from leadership standpoints, we we try to minimize that and. And so, you know, I wonder, let's talk a little bit about the, the Pauline greeting that we, we both dug into in Romans chapter 1, beginning yeah. with verse 8. What were the things that really jumped out at you about Paul's own longing for the community of faith, sp- the specific spiritual community? Because he yeah. wasn't just looking for any Anybody. community. Yeah. You know, he wasn't even looking for a national community or you know, an ethnic community because he's an ethnic yeah. Jew. So he's specifically longing to go to this people that he hadn't visited yet, which I think is What, what, what I thought was really cool, and we both brought it out in different in different ways, that he's been on these missionary journeys. He's been planting churches. He's he's had these communities of believers established in multiple places already. And he said, and he said in the opening that we both read, he said, I want to go to you so that I can do more of that with you. Yeah. Now they were already clearly they were already doing it. I want to go go be with you so I can do more of that with you. That wasn't really a surprise to me. That 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 was, you know, that's Paul. Being, that's that's Paul. Paul being Paul. Yeah. 
what what I thought was the pleasant surprise and what drew me to this passage and drew me what really spoke to me out of this passage was it was that mutuality. We, yeah. both, we both hit on that mutuality. He said, Hey, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak truth to you and you're gonna learn from me. Yeah. That is we're going to do this together. Yeah. So he kind of almost course corrected in, the, in, that, yeah. in that next verse, saying, "I'm really what I really want is the mutuality. I yeah. know you've already got a faith. I didn't have anything to do with the establishment of that faith, like you said. There's the, the you spent more time on this, but the mystery of you know who exactly planted the church in in Rome. Somebody obviously went there. Maybe yeah. the post Pentecost travelers made it back to Rome. They started a church there, and so there's already a church there. I already know that you have faith. So for me, the 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 interesting part of that that and the fun part of that was that not so much that he's going to go reach Gentiles and bring them into the church so that they, they then could have that community that he's had in other places with mm-hmm. those Roman Christians there as much as it is he wanted to go and experience that, not that from I'm here to bring you something, but I'm here to do something do something together with you. Which is really different than other Pauline letters because, you know, he's, he's dealing with churches that are in um, – in, in that, he's, that, he, that he's planted that are in conflict. False that are, yeah, coming absolutely. In, yeah. And 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 the Roman church is it's not without its faults. Obviously, he's there. There are things that he deals with specifically that are that are that are about the Roman church. But that he didn't. He knows that the the level of their faith is is present. They've had to deal with persecutions. They've had to deal with with a diaspora, which we didn't really talk about a whole lot. Uh, but they, but then they come back together, and they're still the church. So they've been able to be separated, and then come back and, and maintain that unity post persecution and post, um, you know, a, a, you know, being expelled from their hometowns and stuff. And and to me, I wonder how much that for him was was just exciting to see that. That I think as pastors sometimes, and this is what when I kind of get into Paul's head a little bit, sometimes as pastors, the temptation is for us to do it all. Right, mm-hmm. if there's something to be done, we feel like we've got to do it. And if you've been in small church before, that's how it is, right? And I, I wonder if the temp- if if Paul ever experienced that temptation, where if there was going to be a Gentile church because he was the apostle to the Gentiles, well, he was going to have to be the one to plant it, right? To so this, the weight of it's got the to be responsibility me. of that. Yes, yeah. but with and Ro- how free, how liberating it was to not have that yes. responsibility in this. This and you, 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 you talked about the the fact that their faith, the faith of the Roman Church, was so well known. It was throughout the whole world, which is obviously it's a hyperbole. It's throughout the known world, but the fact that it's a it's it was an act of God only. Not that the other churches weren't acts of God, but that no one could even attach a person to the planting of that mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. churches and that con- those congregations must have been an incredible. Um, relief to Paul to know that the work of Jesus Christ was not contingent on any one human being, but that that those communities of faith would continue on even after his yeah. his death and his legacy. I mean, it's a relief to me. It's That's a relief a, yeah, to absolutely, you. So, absolutely. So, you know, you and I get hit by the bus, the proverbial bus yeah. tomorrow. This church and the church will continue. will continue. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was. I thought that was. Just, just incredibly powerful as well. You brought out some really cool very uh, you know application points at the end just calling people to to reach out, to plug in and then reach out to others and bring them yeah. in. I wonder what, you know, as you were thinking about 
the application points there? What what are people taking away? Mm. Where your mind was directed yeah. in, the, in those yeah. moments? Yeah. Well, the, the the governing thought through all of this was you know, whatever whatever the applications and you know uh, were and are out out of this. The governing thought has to be the establishment of the of the very type of community that the Roman Church had here in this church. Yeah. I mean, our responsibility is this church and and establishing that type of community in this church and so uh, i was i was slightly entertained by we went out to lunch after church and and with a with a couple and uh and the, the woman said that uh this is this is a um this is a, a club and it's not a bad thing yeah. or so something like that yeah. it's like or we, we came to, we came to this club uh, yeah. but it's but it's you know it's it's okay it has its own purpose it's not as good as the church yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay you were listening you were listening so, you picked that up you know i wanted I, so the, the idea that you know for me gosh it's just there's just nothing like the church there's nothing like the church there, yeah there i can't i can't stop thinking about i can't stop thinking this thought is that um i love being involved in all these other things mm-hmm. but when i come here and i would say this i'd like to think that that I would have matured had I not gone into the into the ministry and doing what I'm doing. I would have matured as a Christian over the years to to be my age and still thought this same thought. Yeah. There's nothing like this place. Yeah. Because I know before I was a pastor, pastor I thought I love the church. Yeah. You know, I I sort of came to life. I came to Christ in the church. I just that people find that type of meaning and that type of true community in the church because I was finding that before I went to seminary. And yeah. It's part of what inspired me to just kind of open up to what God was saying to me is that I was. We, we we studied together. We laughed together. We ate together. We played together. I mean, we had we had that kind of true community uh, as a people of the church. And what I wanted more than anything in the application love stage of it was to to in, to find a way to shape some, put some words together to that a congregation of people who might be listening would would long for that and seek that out for themselves. Yeah. I, I hope to, hope to have, have affirmed people who are already doing that. Yeah. But also to encourage those who aren't doing that to find it for themselves. Yeah. yeah. And how about you and your application. Well, well for me, I, I look at it because I agree with you. Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's interesting. I th- uh, one of the most prominent atheists, I think it's Richard Dawkins, that said this: the one thing that Christians have is the church over atheists, and so they've actually established atheistic churches, which is hilarious to me. Um, which which speaks to the church at its best is a witness unto itself. And um, for me, what I wanted to speak to was, you know, looking at the crowd in Vine. I know that there are some de-churched people in that room. Mm. You know, there are people that have, they left the church, they've been disenfranchised or, or, you know, disenchanted with the church. So they're maybe tiptoeing back in, wondering how this place is different, you know? And so for me, it's like, look, you know, when you get to that point where you feel as though the, the church isn't at its best, how do you maintain that sense of community? What is your part? What is the individual's part to right. play in that? And um, for me, it's it, a look back at Paul and what does Paul do? You know, he prays for the church constantly. I mean, he prays for the presence of the the church constantly. He praises God for the church. And I want I wonder how often except we we've we've both preached a bunch on prayer. I wonder how little how how most people pray for themselves and they yeah. pray for their circle. Yeah. How often do people pray specifically for the community of faith and praise God for the community of faith? Looking at those things that you know we're, we we just you know we got the numbers today that that FPC in about three weeks we raised almost five thousand dollars for Haiti relief. Yeah, yeah, that's something that in our individual prayer life, we ought to praise God for, that we're a part of a community that responded like that. You know, those types of things. And as we do that, we get excited about 
this community that we're a part of, you know, and that for, for, so for me, that was part of it. The other part was, you know, praying for the ways that we're not perfect, you know, praying for, and, and having that soften the individual's heart to say like, well, I'm not perfect either, you know? And, um, so praising God for the ways that we are faithful as Paul praises God for the Romans faithfulness and then praying for the ways in which we, we sometimes don't, don't measure up as a, even as a community. And in those prayers, oftentimes we find ways that we can be part of the solution, but then the presence part. And that was a harder part for me to preach on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You brought it home with that though. <laughs> because for me, it's like right now, especially in, in in a pandemic kind of thing where the numbers are still not as kind of hard to call people back, call people. To, it really is. To, Cause you know, cause you and I know that there are people that just, they, that um, won't. Yeah. Yeah. And there mm-hmm. are, we also know, and I ain't, I'm not going to name names, but we know people that are using it as an excuse too. And I, that's <laughs> it. so in my head, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> okay, thread so that line there. I Trey, what do you the say? line. Yeah. Because I know there are, there are legitimate, fears and legitimate, um, you know, problems that people are, you know, that they're trying to navigate through this pandemic time where the, their physical presence is not possible. But I do know there are a lot of folks that that's not the case. Right. And while I get it, I understand it. I understand the ease of that. Um, the virtual church, if you have the opportunity to be in the physical presence of God's people, the virtual church is a, is a last resort option for for a lot of different I mean a lot of reasons but and you can stay con- the nice thing is the virtual church option can help you stay connected when you can't be present yes and um but it's I've not a substitute for, I've said for a long time that if you and I have a relationship we've we've been face to face we've had a cup of coffee together we've had a meal together we've sat in meetings together we're face to face all the time we can get by with talking on the phone yeah, or texting yeah. texting even and, or FaceTime or whatever it is we can get by with that for a long time yeah because of the strength of that relationship but if you and I didn't have that yeah. it's it, it's a lot slower that's what that's what's challenging about the about the distancing is that when you enter into a relationship and you start out with that distancing. Yes. Yes. And yes. you know, it takes so much longer to longer to build it. There's just nothing there's nothing like being physically present with each other. There, and absolutely. you and I both hit on that. We, yeah. Yeah, being physically present with each other. It, you, I mean, I, I realize the times that we're in we all realize the times that we're in, but we've we've got to get that back. Yeah. You know, if we if we want to have what all the all the things that Paul found in those other other churches and found by the time he got to Rome, strange as it was, he was imprisoned, but he still <laughs> found that com- that community. Yeah. Um, all those things if we want to get to all those things that he found, you don't, you know, you don't mail that in. You can't. Yeah, you can't. And, and you know, that's why we do what we do. And uh, we're, it was a great, I think it was a good series. It was a good series uh, for where we're at as a, as a community and a good series um, aspirationally for the future. This week coming up, we're starting a brand new series on Jonah. Jonah. Which is uh, one of my favorite books of the Bible. And uh, it's going to be a fun series, I think, for the next four weeks. I'll be in Vine this week. You'll be back in Classic as we kick this series off. If you have missed any one of our sermons, uh, make sure you check us out on our website, YouTube, or Facebook channel. You can see the complete the complete uh, uh, services or just skip ahead to the messages, um, audio or video. And if you've missed any one of our armchair preaching uh, episodes, I encourage you to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or again on our website. Be sure to subscribe and uh, share it with your your 
your friends and your social media circles if you find it enjoyable. And uh, we're really grateful that you guys have joined us. Thank you, John, for hanging out for thank a while. Thank you, and thank you all for taking the time to listen in and whatever you're doing right now in car line or on your commute, whatever it is. I uh, hope you have a great day. Yep, and we'll see you guys next time.